From the State Capitol, WFSU Public Media brings you Capitol Report. A special session to repair Florida's faltering property insurance market is over. Not everyone, though, is happy with the outcome. We, we seem to be blaming litigation, and it feels like you're blaming me as a consumer. Also this week, there's a new federal law regarding same-sex marriage that runs counter to an old Florida law that's still on the books. What are the chances state lawmakers will do a repeal? So they'll just probably ignore the bill, but I will do my best to not let them ignore the bill. We'll also hear about Governor DeSantis's plan to investigate public health officials' support for COVID vaccines and discover why Florida Hispanics are avoiding the Democratic Party in droves. I'm Tom Flanagan. This is Capitol Report. Republicans in the state legislature put their supermajority power on display this week when they passed a massive property insurance package less than five days after it was filed with little input from Democrats. Governor Ron DeSantis signed the measure into law today. GOP legislative leaders tout the measure as pro-consumer, while Democrats argue it would hurt the state's policyholders. Valerie Crowder has more. Florida House Speaker Paul Renner has openly acknowledged that a massive property insurance package that passed the legislature during the week-long special session is not going to result in an overnight drop in rates. But he says the new law is expected to bring at least one short-term victory. The win today is the hope that we can continue to have insurance for everyone because without that, Your home can be foreclosed on. It's a very, very bad situation. So, yes, there is an immediate win, but not on premiums. Renner says getting to lower rates could take at least two to three years. It'll take some time until that new money comes in, those claims filter out from the storms of the past under the old rules before we start to see those premium rates go down. But we will see them go down. Floridians have been paying more and more for property insurance, with premiums rising on average by about 33 percent every year. The average cost of insurance in the state is three times the national average. The measure would eliminate one-way attorney's fees, which insurers must pay whenever they lose in court. Here's Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo. We put in some robust provisions to, to drive down the cost of litigation. We were told for years that if you drive down the cost of litigation, we will lower rates. We're gonna, we are going to hold their feet to the fire, and I, I mean that. And maybe in the past people said it and they didn't, but I mean it. If the insurance companies would take a Chick-fil-A approach to customer service, then insureds would not end up in attorneys' offices. And that's David Murray. He's a trial attorney who only handles cases against property insurers. I don't have one client of mine that wants to be a client. They're a client because insurance companies don't live up to their obligations, and this bill gives them further incentive not to do that. Murray says he takes issue with several provisions in the measure, including one that allows insurers to persuade policyholders to sign a mandatory binding arbitration agreement. He says signing that would prevent homeowners from eventually taking their insurer to court. It feels like David versus Goliath. And having read through this bill, having heard all of the uh, amendments that were struck down, I really hope that you guys take those back up during the general session. As a card-carrying Republican, I agree with every single one of the amendments that came from the other side. 
Mexico Beach resident John Alba spoke in opposition to the bill during a recent committee hearing. Four years after Hurricane Michael, he and his family still aren't back in their home as they fight their insurer in court. We, we seem to be blaming litigation, and it feels like you're blaming me as a consumer. I've yet to see a big pie chart anywhere in these sessions that say why. Why are we suing? I don't see that. Democrats have raised concerns that the measure doesn't include language that forces insurers to reduce rates. And Republicans rejected every attempt by the minority party to include some sort of guarantee that premiums would go down. House Minority Leader Fentress Driscoll criticized Republicans for taking the property insurance bill up during the one-week special session when they could have waited until the spring when lawmakers meet for 60 days. Florida House Republicans and senators just passed a bill that provides a $1 billion bailout to insurance companies and no real rate relief to Florida homeowners. The measure creates a $1 billion fund for insurance companies to purchase more affordable reinsurance, which they buy to cover their losses. Republicans say they expect lowering the cost of reinsurance will help keep insurers in the state. House Speaker Renner says that makes it pro-consumer. It's pro-consumer from the standpoint that if you don't have insurance, that's not good for consumers. Renner says the measure is also pro-consumer because it shortens the amount of time that insurers have to respond to and pay claims. The measure also contains several provisions aimed at slowing the growth of the state-run insurer Citizens Property Insurance Corporation's policy count. For instance, it would require all citizens' policyholders to purchase flood insurance by March of 2027. It would also lower the eligibility threshold for new and renewing citizens' policyholders. I'm Valerie Crowder. DeSantis has also signed into law a toll relief bill that lawmakers passed this week that would provide SunPass discounts to frequent commuters next year. Lawmakers also passed a $750 million disaster relief bill while in Tallahassee this week to help communities recovering from Hurricanes Ian and Nicole. President Biden this week signed a federal law ending a ban on same-sex marriage, but a similar ban is still on the books in Florida. Steve Busquet reports that a new effort is underway in the legislature to bring state law in line with the rest of the country. For years, Democrats have tried to remove the ban on gay marriage in Florida. Senator Tina Polsky of Boca Raton has filed the latest version in advance of the regular session in March. And so it makes no sense for us to have a statute on the books that is completely illegal under federal law. The crux of the issue is they don't want their members to have to vote on something that's uncomfortable for them. I think they just don't want the members to have to vote this way. And they try to avoid them being in uncomfortable situations. So they'll just probably ignore the bill. But I will do my best to not let them ignore the bill. It's a legal oddity. Same-sex marriage has been legal in Florida for more than seven years following a 2015 decision in Tallahassee by federal judge Robert Hinkle. The question is, will Republicans remove the obsolete language? At a press conference Thursday, when asked if a Senate majority of 21 votes would repeal it, Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo of Naples did not state a position. I don't know. I don't know if there's uh, 21 votes or not. I have not. I think that bill gets filed uh, frequently. I think uh, Senator Farmer filed it. Um, 
he, I don't think he can pursue it. So I think if Senator Polsky wants to pursue it, I'm sure she'll do her homework and talk to the members and see what happens. Yeah, I'm asking what your personal opinion is on it. On the same-sex marriage? I don't know. I, I haven't, honestly, I haven't really thought about it, and I'd like to see what the, um, the statute is. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not walking away from it. I just haven't really thought about it. Polsky's simple one-page proposal, Senate Bill 80, faces a bigger hurdle because Senate Republicans have the most dominant control in a decade, with a 28 to 12 supermajority. Another obvious obstacle is Governor Ron DeSantis, a presumptive presidential candidate, who said on Fox News this week that there was, quote, no need to do this at the federal level. I'm Steve Bosquet. Florida's unemployment rate dipped one-tenth of a percentage point from October to November, even with a surge in claims following Hurricane Ian. The state's unemployment rate now stands at 2.6 percent. That's according to numbers released today by the Department of Economic Opportunity. The latest figures estimate 280,000 Floridians out of work, out of a total workforce of just about 10 and three-quarter million. The number of unemployed Floridians is down by 5,000 from October and 87,000 from a year ago. Governor Ron DeSantis says Florida's workforce has grown by more than 350,000 people over the past year. Jobs are being added, unemployment uh, is declining, even when we had a near Category 5 hurricane just a couple months ago. So it shows you that we have a lot of resilience in this economy, and we're doing a lot of things right in the state of Florida. Florida's unemployment rate is now 1.1 percentage points below the national mark. The state has seen an increase in private sector jobs for 31 consecutive months. Coming up on Capitol Report, the governor seeks a grand jury probe into possible wrongdoings surrounding COVID-19 vaccines. You know, it is against the law to mislead and to misrepresent, particularly when you're talking about the efficacy of a drug. Too many Latino voters in Florida believe Democrats are too liberal and even socialist. Party organizers say that's putting the D's at a disadvantage. That's the problem. So we need to show the Latino voters in South Florida that we're moderate. A new wave of Cuban immigrants is landing in Florida. Everybody's leaving. Everybody wants to leave. They're packing, they're planning. Uh, their, their sister just left, their neighbor just left. And more U.S. kids now have health insurance, but that doesn't mean they'll keep it. The vast majority of children, millions of children, projected to lose Medicaid after these federal protections expire. Governor Ron DeSantis is asking the Florida Supreme Court to convene a grand jury to investigate possible misconduct related to COVID-19 vaccines. He made the announcement at a roundtable discussion on Tuesday of this week in West Palm Beach. The governor was joined by Florida's Surgeon General and a group of professors and doctors. Gina Jordan reports they all question how well the vaccines work and whether adverse health reactions have been accurately reported. 
you know, it is against the law to mislead and to misrepresent, particularly when you're talking about the efficacy of a drug. Uh, we see just the other, uh, just recently, Florida got $3.2 billion through legal action against those responsible for the opioid crisis. This time, Governor DeSantis has his sights set on shots doled out during the pandemic. The grand jury petition seeks an inquiry into pharmaceutical executives and pretty much anyone connected to the manufacture and promotion of COVID-19 vaccines. The move was sparked by stories like this from 63-year-old Air Force veteran and retired law enforcement officer Stephen Ordonia. In December of 2021, uh, we got the Pfizer COVID booster. From that date on, my life has been turned upside down. I immediately got ill. I, I was experiencing uh, stroke-like symptoms. Well, this is part of the reason why we in Florida uh, rejected things like mandates and banned things like vaccine passports. Stephen, what he said was, well, he got the, the booster because he was going to travel. DeSantis listened as Ordonia and others laid out debilitating, ongoing symptoms that they blame on COVID-19 vaccines. The governor's grand jury petition disputes statements about the vaccines made by the Biden administration. DeSantis plans to convene a public health integrity committee that will assess recommendations and guidance that have come from federal entities like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Stanford University professor Jay Bhattacharya is expected to be part of that committee. We have had tremendous uh, destruction of the confidence that people have in public health and in, and in science itself. Bhattacharya served as a witness for the state in the high-profile lawsuit over forced masking in public schools. He was also a witness in a separate challenge over the reopening of schools early in the pandemic. The vaccines, I do believe, reduce the mortality risk from getting COVID. And for those who have a high mortality from COVID, especially older people, it may have been justified. But the right way to use it is as a medical product where you tell people, go talk to your doctor and then decide if it's right for you. Separately from the grand jury, State Surgeon General Joseph Latipo says he will lead a study with the Florida Department of Health and the University of Florida to explore deaths that happened soon after vaccinations. We are initiating a program here in Florida where we will be studying the incidence in surveillance of myocarditis within a few weeks of COVID-19 vaccination for people who die. Myocarditis is a condition that causes inflammation of the heart. In October, the state health department issued an advisory against vaccinating males between the ages of 18 and 39 because of the incidence of cardiac-related death soon after getting the shots. While more cases of myocarditis occurred after COVID vaccination than expected, especially in young males, Dr. Mobin Rathor told us last March the occurrences are very small. Rathor teaches at the University of Florida's medical school in Jacksonville. You know, millions and millions of doses of this vaccine has been given, and myocarditis has not come out to be as a major issue. I won't say it doesn't happen. It does. But I think the, the risk, any risk that the vaccine may pose because of myocarditis is so small compared to the benefit the vaccine provides. In August, we heard from Dr. Julie Morita, a pediatrician and member of a CDC advisory committee. She stressed the vaccines can protect everyone from death and severe illness. 
the COVID vaccine has really been demonstrated to be safe and effective. We've had over a year, almost two years worth of experience with it with millions of people who've been vaccinated. The Associated Press reports pharmaceutical companies funded studies of their COVID-19 vaccines. Those studies were published in peer-reviewed journals, and federal panels reviewed data on the safety and effectiveness of the vaccines before approving them. I'm Gina Jordan. And we thank our partners at WUSF for contributing to that report. For Florida Democrats, one of the most troubling things about their big midterm election losses last month was the continued exodus of Latino voters to the Republican Party. WLRN's Tim Paget reports that has sharply divided the state's Latino Democrats, especially in South Florida. Many Democrats like being labeled progressive. But in Florida, progressive in Spanish is progresista. To the ears of many Cubans, Venezuelans, or Colombians here, people whose families often fled leftist dictatorships or guerrillas in Latin America, progresista can mean socialist or communist. The Democratic Party needs to understand in Florida, (laughs) calling themselves progresista shows the lack of cultural sensitivity. Evelyn Perez-Verdia heads the communications consulting firm We Are Mas in Fort Lauderdale. She says her family was harassed by Marxist guerrillas in Colombia when she was a girl. Like many moderate Florida Democrats, she fears the party's more liberal wing has gained an outsized voice here that alienates Latinos. A 2020 poll showed 70 percent of Florida Latinos would not vote for anyone or any party associated with the word socialist. And yet, Perez Verdia points out, many Democratic activists in the state call themselves Democratic Socialists. We're creating a perception that we don't want. If you don't want to be called a socialist, don't use symbols and words that mean exactly that. I don't think that's the only reason Miami-Dade went red, but it's a big piece of it. Miami-Dade County went red in the midterm elections largely because its majority Latino vote went red. Republicans have been successful at convincing Latinos here, falsely, that Democrats are socialistas like those back in Latin America. But progressive Democrats argue semantics is not the problem. They say it's about explaining policy. Carolina Ampudia is an Ecuadorian-American physician in plantation. Until recently, she headed Florida's Democratic Progressive Caucus, and she proudly calls herself a democratic socialist. The policies that democratic socialists defend align with democratic values. Ampudia says Democrats are losing Latinos in Florida because they've let Republicans define them as bad socialism, like Venezuela, instead of good socialism, like affordable health care. So what we need to do is to educate the people, if you talk to Latinos, about what their needs are and the solutions for those needs. We're pretty much in alignment with them. Democrats outside Florida have persuaded most Latinos in that regard. But moderate Democrats insist the party's outreach to Florida Latinos is also hurt by progressives with national profiles like New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They often give the impression they support regimes like Cuba's. Cecilia Tavera is a realtor in Coconut Grove and a longtime Democratic activist. She says her family's farm was forcefully confiscated by a left-wing dictatorship in Peru in the 1970s. She fears the party's more liberal wing has tainted the word progressive, which is why... I do not describe myself as a progressive Democrat, even though I have progressive ideas. That's the problem. So we need to show the Latino voters in South Florida that we're moderate. 
progressives say the party needs to show instead that it's present in Florida's Latino community. These days, Republicans engage Florida Latinos hard year-round, especially in the media and in the neighborhoods. It's more of a problem of infrastructure and of execution, a story of massive organizational failure. Tomas Kennedy of Miami is a member of the Democratic National Committee. He worked for leftist presidential candidate Bernie Sanders in 2020. Just before this year's midterms, he led a call for Florida Democratic Chairman Manny Diaz, a moderate, to resign. Kennedy's family lived under a right-wing dictatorship in Argentina. He says if Democrats are angry that Republicans call them socialistas, they should call out former President Donald Trump for cozying up to North Korea's communist dictator. Democrats need to stop playing patty cakes in the Latino voters' community. A decade ago, Republicans were the ones losing Florida Latinos. But Cuban-American Fernan Amandi, who heads the Democratic polling firm Ben Dixon and Amandi International in Miami, says Democrats just got complacent. Democratic support among Hispanic voters in Florida has consistently eroded ever since. Analysts like Amandi don't blame just progressive or just moderate Democrats. They blame both. I'm Tim Paget in Miami. Cuba is currently seeing the largest and fastest exodus that it's seen since Fidel Castro took power in 1959. More Cubans have left for the U.S. in the last year than those who fled during the Mario boat lift in 1980 and the rafter crisis of 1994 combined. Many of them are landing frequently in the Florida Keys. On the South Florida Roundup earlier today, WLRN's Danny Rivero spoke to New York Times reporter Francis Robles and WLRN's Keys reporter Gwen Filosa about the worsening situation. So, Frenchie, you recently did some reporting on Cuba about why we're seeing this historic surge in migration to the U.S. from Cuba. What did Cubans tell the New York Times about why they're making the choice to leave right now? You know, things in Cuba have always been bad, but I don't know that they've been this bad for many decades. Between the power outages, the food scarcity, the food prices, um, it's just too many things, one on top of the other, all at the same time. And what you're hearing from people over and over and over again is there's no more hope. The hope is gone from Cuba, and that's why they're leaving. And one of the Cubans that your reporting partner in Cuba talked to had, I mean, just a remarkable story because he has gotten a tattoo for each time he tried to leave Cuba. And that adds up to 11 tattoos on him now. And he and he says he doesn't plan to stop trying. Um, What did that person say about what keeps him motivated to keep trying? It was really remarkable to see the people who kind of lost their fear about speaking publicly uh, about wanting to leave. Everybody's leaving. Everybody wants to leave. They're packing, they're planning. Uh, their, their sister just left, their neighbor just left. Um, and they see the other side. They see the hope. They have relatives who are living uh, in the United States, m- many of them in South Florida. And, uh, and they see hope on the horizon. The hope on the horizon is, is in Florida. And Gwen, speaking about the other side in Florida, You know, a lot of people are coming by land, but a lot of people are taking to the seas. What are local and federal officials here on this side of the Straits saying about this steady stream of boats that are coming now? The Coast Guard and Border Patrol have 
said, well, you know, we've brought in extra personnel and we were bringing down people. But I spoke to a Coast Guard member who came down from Maine. You know, I ran into him walking a dog and he just said, they're bringing people in left and right. They're strapped. They're going out in boats uh, one right after the other. And it's even, even the, the, the spokespeople that I call to get information just sound so harried. And I did speak with someone at the Coast Guard who said they, they've had to bring down, you know, commanders because they up north, they can't, or DC, they can't comprehend the what's going on. Actually, the, there were there were more landings that happened after that as that story was being published. And um, down here, it's just become a nonstop. It's almost to the point where, I mean, locals are just so used to them, it, it, used to seeing them. And, and it, it's become part of the of living here, you know, we just will have five or six across the keys a day. And just for our listeners perspective to, to wrap our heads around how many we're talking about just since October 1st of this year, the coast guard has intercepted 3,370 Cuban migrants at sea, which is already more than half the number that were intercepted for the entire previous year. And, you know, we're only three months or so into that. So, it's it's a huge uptick. And Danny, that's the people got intercepted. How many people got through? People wouldn't be doing it if their neighbors, their siblings weren't successful in those journeys. And even seeing the number of people who die at sea, the Coast Guard says 100 Cubans have died since 2020 trying to make this voyage. That is still not stopping people. That was WLRN's Danny Rivero speaking with New York Times reporter Francis Robles and WLRN's Keys reporter Gwen Filosa about the increasing number of Cuban immigrants landing in Florida. Well, after delaying a decision early this month, state gambling regulators on Monday will consider signing off on the sale of Miami's Magic City Casino to the Porch Creek Indians. Magic City, one of Florida's oldest paramutuals, has been operated by the Havernick family since 1931. It includes a card room and slot machines, and for decades it offered greyhound racing. But that ended after Florida voters back in 2018 approved a constitutional amendment to ban dog races. You're listening to Capital Report from WFSU Public Media. I'm Tom Flanagan. Finally this week, a new report finds that despite significant job losses early in the pandemic, rates of children without health insurance in Florida and around the nation actually improved. But public health experts warn these gains could be brief, as WGCU's John Davis reports. A new report from the Center for Children and Families at Georgetown University finds the rate of uninsured children nationally improved from 5.7 to 5.4 percent between 2019 and 2021, according to U.S. Census Bureau data. That translates to about 200,000 more children having health coverage. Florida mirrored the national trend as the rate of uninsured children in the Sunshine State dropped from 7.6 to 7.3 percent. Executive Director of Georgetown's Center for Children and Families, Joan Alker, says these gains are largely due to federal protections put in place through the first federal COVID-19 relief package, the Families First Act. So what happened essentially was that states have been given more money during the pandemic for their Medicaid program. 
And in exchange for accepting those additional federal dollars, states agreed not to disenroll anybody from the program. But Alker says these gains will likely end when the federal public health emergency expires, which could happen as soon as April. The federal government released a study this summer that the vast majority of children, millions of children, projected to lose Medicaid after these federal protections expire. An estimated three out of four of those children will remain eligible. So this is not about children being on the program. They're going to remain eligible, but they're going to fall through the cracks due to these bureaucratic lapses, due to problems going through the renewal process. Alker says that when those federal protections end, it will trigger all states to reevaluate Medicaid eligibility. A report from the Center for Children and Families earlier this year identified Florida as one of six states where children are most at risk of losing coverage when that happens. I'm John Davis in Fort Myers. Our regular Capitol Report correspondents are Valerie Crowder, Gina Jordan, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, and Margie Menzel. Thanks also to Steve Bosquet, Tim Padgett, Danny Rivero, Gwen Filosa, and John Davis. Technical assistance for Capitol Report comes from Evan Rossi, and I'm Tom Flanagan. Join us again next week for more reports from the state Capitol. Capital Report is a production of WFSU Public Media in Tallahassee.